Welcome to Untying Knots, Minds and Souls Untethered with Perry Clark. This program looks at mental health from unique perspectives and shows you how to manage your life by finding the knots that help you and stay away from the ones that could be a disadvantage. Now, here is your host, Perry Clark. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Untying Knots, Minds and Toll Souls Untethered. I'm Perry Clark, licensed marriage and family therapist here with you. And if you're listening to this, then we are in the ideally the third week of January as we start 2022. So I hope you all had a good New Year's and uh, that this month has proven to be something that you're enjoying. So we have a returning guest here. You may have heard her with our lovely Booney Sapan earlier in November, December. But we have Lorena Garson back on here, and this is our individual episode with her so that we can get more of her side of things and her life and her more individual experience with being a uh, school psychologist as well as being just a geek therapist as well. So let's go ahead and get into that. And moment here, I need to open up my computer because it just went ahead and closed on me. Okay, so the Lauren, Lauren, Lauren. Lorraine, you could just go, just go with Lorraine. Lorraine Garrison. We don't need to be fancy, just Lorraine Garrison. Lorraine Garrison is a master's, has a master's in education from, with a uh, pupil, pupil, personality, personality. Personnel, personnel, uh, service credential, and is a school psychiatrist, school psychologist in San Diego. She's the author and advocate and regular speaker on the topics of neurodiversity, disability, intersectionality, and meeting with BIPOC needs at Comic Con International, California, and a member of the California Association of School Psychologists, gender special, special, (laughs) and just for everyone's sake, it's also about six o'clock at night here and we've also been seeing seeing clients all day so stumbling over my words uh gender spectrum uh symposium and other and can also be found with find more information about her and her company little brainstorm at www.littlebrainstorm.com that's all one word for little brainstorms great big ideas welcome again laura Thank you so much. And thanks for trying to pronounce it the French way. But like I said, we don't have to be fancy. You could just call me Lorraine Garrison. <laughs> no, there was a part of my mind that says, remember Alsace Lorraine in France. <laughs> true, 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 true. True. Very true. Mm-hmm. So those, those little mnemonic triggers to try and remember how to do some things. Yes, and work absolutely. with those neuropaths that are established. Exactly, exactly. That's exactly what I try to tell my students that I work with. So mm-hmm. I, I am a school psychologist. So that is completely different than mm-hmm. a school counselor. Mm-hmm. Now, a school counselor, I'm also working in the high school. So a school counselor's position, at least here in California, at least at the school where I'm working at, Mm -hmm. the school counselor helps students pick out their classes and what they want to do for, you know, job Mm -hmm. career wise, they help Mm -hmm. them with their, you know, all their testing, you know, it's really for the general education, general Mm -hmm. setting. Mm -hmm. So my job in particular, I work with the special education students. So I help people, I help families with kids who have special needs. So special needs, it's covered under the American Disabilities Act. And the very specific law that I work under is called the Individualized Disabilities uh, Education Act. So IDEA. Mm -hmm. It's changed several times, but we know it as IDEA. So while you and the rest of the therapists and psychologists, Mm -hmm. the LMFTs and all Mm -hmm. of those folks, they work under the DSM-5. School Mm -hmm. psychologists really look at students and their, their, their disabilities related to a school setting. So mm-hmm. we have 13 disabilities that we assess under mm-hmm. and, um, 
And I'm specifically the ERMS or the Educationally Related Mental Health Service School Psychologist. It's it's a it, that's why it's I'm, a mouthful. It's a mouthful. So I'm very I'm even more specific in the sense that I deal with special education mental health needs. So so now so like I'm even like smaller in a corner. <laughs> And just out of curiosity, how did you find yourself getting to this path? Oh, gosh. Um, wow. Okay. So I, um, I have a master's degree in management and urban policy, and I've always been interested in law. As a matter mm. of fact, you know, secret here, I'll just tell you <laughs> and, and the audience here, secret, I'm a law school dropout. <laughs> I am a law school dropout. I love public policy. I love the law. I love how the law protects the tiny people. Mm-hmm. And that has always been an interest for myself. And so my first master's degree, my first completed master's degree is in public policy and management. And so mm-hmm. basically I like looking at the big picture and helping groups of people. Mm-hmm. I've always been like that. Um, unfortunately, I got my degree during the 2008 um, financial slump. And so uh, nonprofits, governments weren't hiring policymakers like myself. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, you know, I got pregnant a few years later and um, met one of uh, my son's um, friend's parent who Mm -hmm. was just graduating as a school psychologist. And I was like, huh, what's that? That sounds really interesting. And she told me all about it. And I was like, wow. So you're advocating for kids with special needs and you have to learn about the law. I like this. So Mm -hmm. that's kind of how I've stuck my foot into this whole entire endeavor. I mean, because I was looking into social work, I was looking into becoming an LMFT, Mm -hmm. a school counselor. Mm -hmm. I was looking into all of these very specific areas. And the reason why I chose school psychology was because school psychologists are federally funded. And so that means they will all there there will always be a school psychologist in a school setting. And then I get school vacations and I could apply for the Public Service Loan Forgiveness Act. Mm -hmm. So um, I get paid um, on the salary as a psychologist, which is nice. Mm -hmm. And I'm an expert in my field Mm -hmm. and I get to play around and learn about the brain. So these are all things I like. Very Um, nice. Very nice. So uh, I know we were talking just before we started, and I think even though this is not going to air until January, it might be something that some people may need to hear. Right now, we're dealing, earlier this week was the shooting that took place in Michigan at the high school there. At Oxford. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I'm curious because I know we've had a lot of, and this is either also a deeper thing we can talk about is the impact that not only we're seeing with this recent event with Oxford, but also the pandemic's effect on students. Absolutely. Um, I just recently spoke at Comic-Con about this. Mm -hmm. Um, Let's just pause there for a moment. (laughs) As I said, in the intro, she has spoken at Comic-Con International. For those of you who are also hearing this, last month, with the end of November, was San, San, San Diego Comic Con, and special she, edition, special edition, special edition, back uh, to being in person. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. And she and Booney also spoke at that con- convention. And I'll be frank; it's on my bucket list to finally go to a Comic Con before I hopefully die in this world. <laughs> so I have envy, and I also have great admiration for them. Ah, uh, thanks. Sorry for that segue. Let's go back to what we were talking about. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. So um, I had a uh, panel that I organized and I got Mm -hmm. artists to be on it. And I also got therapists to be on this panel. Uh, The panel was called 
how to survive the zombie apocalypse. Now, <laughs> now you know, you need a name like that for people to come to your panel at Comic-Con because it is Comic-Con. What's right. Comic-Con, right? It's our, it's like the mecca for comic books and video games and all things like geeky, right? This is mm-hmm. our mecca, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, so in reality, what I was, what we were really talking about on the panel was how to survive the COVID pandemic. What's it, how to normalize life in the new normal after mm-hmm. COVID, after the zombie apocalypse? Because in, in reality, I mean, we look at movies, we look at like 28 Days, I Am Legend, mm-hmm. uh, The Walking Dead. I mean, World, how, War Z. World War Z, how are we not different than how these characters were in these zombie movies, right? Mm -hmm. So even the CDC came out with a graphic novel on how to survive the zombie apocalypse. Did you know this? No, I did not. Ah, it's free and it's actually nicely drawn. And um, I highly recommend reading it. If you go on the CDC zombie, how to survive the zombie apocalypse, zombie, you know, whatever, you can actually find it. So now the nice thing about this graphic novel is that at the end of the graphic novel, there's a, a nice one-page checklist of mm-hmm. how to physically prepare for the mm-hmm. zombie apocalypse. Like you need food, you need water, you need your medication. Don't forget your pets, you know, have toys, have backup mm-hmm. batteries, et cetera, et cetera. Now this is good for any disaster. Okay. Mm-hmm. So thank you, CDC, you know, shout out to the CDC um, that, that they had this. But our panel specifically, we were talking about the social emotional well-being of being isolated for so long and what's Mm. it like. And, you know, being in person after a year and a half, almost two years of COVID, um, it's been hard for a lot of students, a lot of families, uh, as we are short staffed in all the school systems across the United States. Um, you know, if anyone needs a job and they don't, don't know where to look, I mean, like sign up at your school, school systems, we're looking for bus drivers, we're looking for aides, we're looking at for food folks, you know, nutritionists. Mm -hmm. So anyways, um, we've forgotten how to behave in front of people. Um, Mm -hmm. we have in the schools right now, there's spikes in, in behavioral issues because we just don't remember how to talk to each other. We don't remember how to connect. And so that was what we were talking about at Mm Comic-Con is creating that community, connecting Mm -hmm. and knowing that you're not alone and that we can reach outside of these pods, outside Mm -hmm. of our familiar pods and get to know people all over again, play card games in person. Mm -hmm. You know, and we also talked about how video games and in this strange times that video games that we play with people those people that we play and engage with, those are fr- they can be friends too. And that's the other thing I have to remind my, my, my families that I work with is that online friends are real or can mm-hmm. be real, mm-hmm. you know? They really can be real. So um, we have to remember to give each other grace and that we get cranky and that sometimes, you know, being exposed to too much social activities might make us crankier than usual, so... Especially when you have so many that are just thriving and craving for it, doesn't mean that there isn't a way that it creates its own little zombie apocalypse. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I admit that when so many of these things happened, one of the thoughts crossed my mind is well, if anyone is a sociologist or so forth, this is a good example of them prepping for sending somebody to Mars. Uh, Yeah, 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 absolutely. Right. It's a good social experiment. Um, mm. What 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 are people's values, their mm. in individualism? Are they or collectivism, collectivism? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. do they think collectively? I mean, um, it's a lot of good thought projects and things. Absolutely. Yeah. And to imagine what that would be like if you had then stuck these people in isolation for two years to get to Mars, let alone how are they going to act and behave while they're on Mars and then another two years to get them back? Yeah. So if you're looking at, at most five years, if they just spend a year on Mars, being isolated with just those people. Right. And those personalities and then the expectation 
for other people to behave like the people that you're familiar. And then what do you do when, when your expectation is not matches with what you are most familiar with? Mm-hmm. And then, and then equally the aspect of them coming back and then supposedly easily reintegrating back into society, which is no different than also the issues we have with PTSD in the military. Oh, yeah, that's great. I love that comparison. Absolutely. Yeah. So it's not surprising we are dealing with this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one person's normal might not be normal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, it's a lot to think about. It's a lot to, um, as administrators, as teachers, as psychologists, as counselors, social workers, we, mm-hmm. ha- we have to be cognizant of not everyone's going to be react the same mm-hmm. or have the same reaction. Or, um, you know, we all might just seem a little bit off because we are. <laughs> <laughs> well, more than we usually are, but yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Yep. Definitely. So, and then I'm also, again, as we were talking before we started, the concerns that have also been coming up with students with everything that happened with Oxford is how, what's, what are you hearing and seeing there? Well, of course, you know, social media has been the newest, latest, greatest thing that as school, you know, admin psychs counselors have to deal with is the spread of rumors. Right. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, so if you're looking at Maslow, so this is the other thing that we talked about at, in our um, in our talk about about why we have to look at the hierarchy of needs. So mm-hmm. Maslow's pyramid, Maslow's triangle. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, th- he's a he's a psychologist that looked at the needs of human beings across all cultures, all races, all ethnicities, whatever. Um, so as human beings at the bottom of the triangle, we have to, or the bottom of this pyramid, we have to look at our basic needs. So that's mm-hmm. food, clothing, you know, that kind of thing. The second part of the triangle is the, uh, is, is safety, whether it's safety in a home, safety at school, safety with a job security, for example, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. we are back at the basics as, as, you know, globally, We are because, you know, we didn't know what COVID was like and we didn't know what that was going to happen. And so it's the same thing with school shootings. We we don't know if schools are safe because we don't know if schools were safe with COVID. So we have to um, that's one thing as admins, um, teachers, we have to come together and let students, families know that school can and should be a safe space. And that we have to work collectively as keeping that as a, as a safe spot and mm-hmm. that you can go to school and that you can trust the people and the students who are around you. Mm-hmm. So things are different now. Think now, you know, on school websites, we have hotlines that say, if you see something, say something, mm-hmm. um, you know, and we have to teach students that it's not tattling or snitches get or what is it? Snitches get stitches. It's it's not about that. It's about um, getting help. It's not that you're snitching on somebody. It's that you're getting help. You're getting this kid help. You're getting, you know, you're creating a community where you can reach out and trust someone to get help, whether it's the kid that's not feeling well or it's keeping the community safe. Mm-hmm. So I, I do have some students who are like, oh, I'm not going to say anything because, you know, snitches get stitches. But I'm like, it's not about that, man. You know, here you got to take care of yourself. You got to take care of the people around you. And that's what Maslow's pyramid is all about. Like the higher you get just towards, you know, feel a sense of belonging. That's the other thing. You, you know, uh, that's the third tier on that triangle is creating that sense of love, belonging, Um, you, and then you want, and then the second, the next tier is, um, and I believe like figuring out puzzles and figuring out like, like problem solving. And then finally at the top of the, the pyramid is Mm self-actualization. So that's where we want to attain. That's where religion comes in. That's where that, that mindfulness comes in is that we want to reach 
self-actualization, self-reflection, being, mm-hmm. being able to change and be the best person that we can be. And so I try to tell, tell my students, you know, you're part of this collective community. We need you. We need you to help each other, help yourself, help each other, and, and be part of the bigger community. You know, mm-hmm. if you can care for myself, my family, my family, my community, my community, my city, you know, and, and build out upon that mm-hmm. and, live, and live in this Zen harmonious, you know, if I wish, right? <laughs> right, right. Although, because I, I, I think that actually is an interesting uh, also segue too, if you think about this standpoint of what you're talking about, about surviving these zombie apocalypse. And I'm just suddenly thinking as you're talking, my mind is popping back to the video games that are out there, like um, Days Gone By, I think it is, or The Last of Us, mm-hmm. and the aspect of really to survive those games, you need a team. You can't, right. I mean, there is a certain ability for the lone survivor to go and survive, but they're not going to survive forever. Yeah. And humans are social creatures. We just have mm-hmm. to acknowledge that humans mm-hmm. are social creatures. And we can't do everything, right? Maybe mm-hmm. we can, but you know, it's very mm-hmm. hard to do everything. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because sooner or later, just because you're good with a shotgun doesn't or the rifle doesn't mean you're not going to know how to well patch up a wound or re uh, fix the cylinders in a bike or a car to be able to keep moving. Or, or plants or, and grow, you know, food or uh, make clothing or, you know, any of that. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah, because then, then that's one of those aspects of the zombie apocalypse that, yeah, they're looking, it's thinking in short term, it's survival. Yeah, but you cannot sur- stay in the survival mode forever. Mm-hmm. And we see that also with PTSD, which is also what's showing up in the military. Um, but it's just as much what we're dealing with when in some ways we glorify it in the games we play and in the stories we tell. Yeah. And then you have these high cortisol levels in the brain and like that deregulation of, um, you know, the serotonin and the dopamine, right? Mm-hmm. So then, you know, then you have, you're always on high alert. And so like, how do you come down from that adrenaline rush? Mm-hmm. How do you come down from that? Because what I'm trying to teach the kids is that, you know, I don't want this incident to create a complex PTSD. Mm-hmm. I want to give them coping, good coping mechanisms, these resiliency so that they have these protective factors, um, protective factors, meaning that they can overcome um, some, you know, whatever obstacle that they might have, right? Mm-hmm. That, that's how we also survive in that mental, physical, I mean, besides the physical in that social, emotional, mental state, we don't mm-hmm. want, we want, you know, ACEs, right? That adverse childhood um, experiences, we want to minimize those as much as we can, because mm-hmm. as we know, there's studies that have shown that ACEs um, has had long-term effects in a person's mental health and physical health. Mm-hmm. And also I think for people who for the first time i've never heard the term complex ptsd mm. so can we just define a little of that so they also start understanding what that means beyond just what they think is the regular ptsd which they associate with the military Ooh, complex ptsd is complex mm-hmm. <laughs> it's 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 beyond a singular moment um you know perry please help me out here because right. it's it's hard to um explain it because i think this is is this a new concept i don't really know that's a whole part of why i wanted to make sure we make sure to explain it for most people when we talk about ptsd originally most of them thought of the military and the complex situations of war um but we've begun to, and then there came an aspect, let's say, in about the 80s, moving into the 90s of uh, the end of the 20th century, where it began to be realized that the PTSD was also happening in the everyday world, in the normal civilian life. And most often we think of PTSD as being the same, more singular incident, such as a really bad car accident, or mm-hmm. um, sadly, this event's like at Oxford, as being a singular incident. 
-hmm. But the recognition of a complex PTSD means that there are, it is not just a singular incident, it's multiple incidents mm -hmm. happening with either repeatedly, both in a pattern or unknowable pattern. Mm -hmm. So this is where we see the issues with children that children and people who grow up in a very abusive households, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, where we see somebody who has been repeatedly bullied. Mm -hmm. And I don't just mean in the school side, but also in the adult world. Mm -hmm. And I know my personal view when we start talking about ending bullying is like, okay, you want to end it in schools, you need to end it in the adult level as well, because yes. that is part of what keeps it all going. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes complete sense. Absolutely. And whether it's what happened in Oxford, what happened with Columbine, what happened in so many other cases, you've got people and who've reached the point of going essentially postal, as the term goes, uh, that are in their own ways dealing with a complex PTSD of being bullied. Yeah. And not having uh, the system recognize them. Now, do you want to explain for some of our younger listeners what going postal means? Because <laughs> that's an 80s term. If I, yeah. If, uh... <laughs> yeah, that's an 80s term because on another occasion, um, as we were dealing with not only the high schools, there was the famed occasions where several postal workers also did this. And also, again, it should shot up their workplace in, mm -hmm. in the postal service and so mm -hmm. that's where the term in the 80s because that's when it it became more um obvious it was happening. Yeah, yeah or prevalent right was mm -hmm. in in the united states postal service so mm -hmm. um i how many incidents was it three or four or something i think like it was that? at least three or four but that was yeah. just enough for it to get caught in the collective consciousness yeah the 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 pop culture term of it like we didn't mm. have we didn't have memes in the in the 80s but we did have radio talk show hosts and things right. like that and so so it was called going postal which it's, is where yeah yeah which is where some would say the updated term is going columbine yes so now now columbine has taken over the term correct mm -hmm, yes mm -hmm. And I hate to think about the other ways that the other ways this would come out. But well, that's, I mean, yeah. there's, there's Parkland too. And that happened mm -hmm. a few years ago as well. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah. So before Columbine, it was the postal service. And so mm. tracing the history of this um, it's, it's been interesting as um you know, someone who's interested as myself, someone who's interested in public policy. And now that I'm in the school systems and trying mm -hmm. to find the answers to uh, this type of violence, mm -hmm. um, it, it's it's um, a, a phenomena of, of, of gun violence. So mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and why don't we take that? This place is a moment to take a break and uh We'll come back shortly and we'll continue this fascinating discussion. And let's move a little more into the geek stuff in the second half uh, for all of our listeners. But we'll be back shortly here on Untying Knots, Minds and Souls Untethered. Our lives and the world around us can get messy and frustrating. Untangle and Grow Counseling's focus is to untangle that mess and make sense of it so you have a good foundation to build and grow from. Visit us on the web at untangleandgrowcounseling.com. Perry Clark offers individual psychotherapy, couples and family therapy, and adolescence therapy from a variety of coping materials and resources. Visit untangleandgrowcounseling.com for more information. You are listening to Untying Knots, Minds and Souls Untethered. If you have a question or comment about our podcast, send an email to pclark at untyingknotspodcast.com. That's pclark at untyingknotspodcast.com. And now, back to the program. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Untying Knots, Minds and Souls Untethered. I'm Perry Clark, and I'm here continuing our second half with Lorraine Garson. So we were had a moment to talk about the aspects of uh, complex PTSD, as well as the issues of the shootings that have recently have happened, uh, so many of. And one of the topics that came up when we were talking about the uh, aspect of going postal was also one of the things that was big around that 
particular point, particular point in time was the issues around rap music and video games. Very much depending on who you are as a geek, part of your lexicon, part of your jam for unwinding. Right. Once again, this is Lorraine Garrison of Little Brainstorm. Just wanted mm -hmm. to pronounce my name correctly there for the folks out there. <laughs> You know, it's, it's spelled funny. I that's okay. So yeah, um, as part of the geek therapy, which I'm so grateful I found through Comic Con, which is really funny. Mm -hmm. um, I uh, you know I really love pop culture. I really mm -hmm. love pop culture, including comic books. When I was younger, my father would give me a comic book and, you know, some bubble gum. And that's how I bonded with him. That's how I learned how to read. I mm -hmm. mean, I, I started to learn how to read through Batman. And at the time, you know, do you remember Mad Magazine when that was mm -hmm. around? Mm -hmm. You know, they were, they were saying that, oh, it's going to rot your brain. You need to, you know, read other things, uh, you know, and I was this kid who like loved reading because of comic books mm -hmm. and so my dad was like I'm not going to stop her from reading she can read whatever she wants mm -hmm. so you know comic books will always have like a place in in you know my heart and so then the 80s came around and the 80s they were talking about how rap music had all these explicit language and that's how kids started to become violent and you know all of these things and you know we've if you look at human history, humans have always been violent of some sort, and there's always been some sort of love of art that's, that has some violent aspects to it, but mm -hmm. that doesn't mean that is the cause, right? Mm -hmm. We talk about correlation, causation, things like that as, as you know, therapist, right? So it is not a cause there might be a correlation but we're looking at it now that this correlation might be a little bit far-fetched same thing with social media hmm. so social media might influence some things but i don't think it's the cause of people being violent i mean i'm sure that there's going to be some study that will say that i'm incorrect but you know overall with the most most of the studies that are out out there it's, it's human behavior. It's, it's not finding resiliency. It's not about, I mean, it's a lot of these kids, you know, from studying Columbine, from, from studying all of these um, violent acts in schools, what we, uh, we, what we've learned is that, I mean, Sandy Hook, that's another example. A lot of these kids are loners. They don't have community. They feel like outcasts. They don't have good coping mechanisms. Those are what we know through and through and through. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it does not look like they all played video games. It doesn't look like they all played violent video games. You know, it doesn't look like they were all on social media. Or um, listening to rap music or, or, right, or exactly. metal. Or, or metal or, mm -hmm. or, or they're satanic. That was the other mm -hmm. thing, right? Mm -hmm. Remember that? Satanic scare. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Especially for D&D. Oh, that's right. Or Dungeons D &D. and Dragons. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Dungeons and Dragons. So, I mean, like, are they saying that geeks are, you know, violent criminals or, or are geeks really just misunderstood or nerds mm -hmm. just misunderstood? And I think as a geek therapist, that's what mm -hmm. um, I'm finding is mm -hmm. that geeks are just misunderstood because we're different uh, we don't think typically we're atypical thinkers mm. and now that we're studying more of that neurodiverse neurodivergent population mm -hmm. you know we're honing down in that you know kids are lonely and they mm -hmm. want to connect mm -hmm. they do humans are social creatures we want to connect and then we also throw in the BIPOC element too how much mm -hmm. makes us even smaller of a uh, uh, population in the aspect of we also don't think the same way as or have an interest beyond just what our culture tells us we're supposed to be interested in. Right, exactly. I grew up on the island of Guam. So I grew up on the island of Guam, of Guam um, in a Vietnamese family and a black household. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we I can't remove the way I look, my skin tone or anything like that. And the world treats me, you know, the way I look. And 
you know, I can't help but have that perspective. I, I, you know, and we're, we're not, you know, people who are Island or Asian or black, we're not monolithic. We don't Mm -hmm. think the same, act the same. We don't have the same experiences. And so we have to honor the individual. Um, I love the students that I work with now because they're growing up in a time of age where we are more open-minded about their individuality. I mean, I have students that want to be called it because they're Mm non-binary and nobody blinks an eye at that anymore. I mean, very little, at least very little people blink eye, you know, blink an eye at that, you know, Mm -hmm. to have someone be called it or they, or them, you know, or, or, you know, that, that kind of perspective of the world, which is kind of great um, for them because kids now these days in my experience at least compared for me when I grew up it you know they're able to have more identity expression um create closer bonds Mm -hmm. um you know and geek out geek out and love you know witchcraft and I don't know anything fantasy sci-fi any of that stuff I feel really old because then I'm, you know, I think about like when I was your age and I was reading, you know, Narnia, <laughs> when I was playing, you know, I don't know, whatever I was playing. <laughs> the first Mario Brothers. Or or the first Pong. Oh my gosh, I'm aging myself. Pong. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I remember them talking about Joust. Yeah, right. Oh my goodness. And their attempts to turn that into a cartoon. <laughs> Which didn't last long. <laughs> Oregon Trail. Do you remember that? <laughs> oh, yes. Many hours of playing Oregon Trail. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to avoid the dysentery. Oh, I know. That was the thing, right? My goodness. But yeah, I mean, these kids now have these story modes. I mean, mm-hmm. they have virtual reality games. Um not, I mean, how many video gamers are there in the world? We're all not mass murderers. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, yeah. Well, I know, and this is just my own supposition on it, and I very much own my own supposition on this. I think there is a certain way that the video game gathering and joint spaces like that, as a Black man and as part of the Black culture, is probably safer for our kids and our Black males to be sitting on the video game with their friends in your, their family homes than being at risk out on the street mm. or if they're congregating at the corner to be enlisted as being something in a, in a gang. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And where there's people want them not to be just sitting around at home. Great. But have you considered that might also be one thing that's keeping them alive? Right. Yeah. Playing the video games. That's a great perspective. Mm-hmm. Uh, sadly it's it's a perspective that we need um, mm. yeah I mean that's the other thing that I tell parents as well is that as I said earlier video game friends are real you know you go on a quest together you work together you learn how to communicate together mm-hmm. um, hopefully you learn about other things about each other other than what's in the game to continue to hold fast to those relationships and have those bonds. Um, You know, when you're in a game, you learn how with your friends, your online friends, you learn how to resolve conflicts. Mm -hmm. That's friendship. You know, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that that is learning how to be a friend, learning how to be social. Very much so, which is very different than the world that's being offered to many people. Mm -hmm. I mean, What's the biggest ones that are supposed to be overcoming the challenge of how to get into the prep school, how to get into uh, an Ivy League school that they may not want that career. Right. Yeah. 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 Sadly, that reminds me. Have you seen Love Cat, Lovecraft Country? Yes, very much so. It was hard to watch in sections, but also in some ways satisfying. I don't know. But I can my, get all I can wax on for that for a while. My one my one liner that I like to think about it is um this for what I try to explain to people what this story is about. 
Mm-hmm. The story is about what's scarier to a BIPOC person. Is it racism or monsters? Mm-hmm. And to be honest, the racism is a lot scarier than ghosts and boogeyman and and things that bump go bump in the night. Mm-hmm. And so they did this story very, very well. And that's the beauty about, about pop culture, comic books, video games is the ability to use a fictionalized space mm-hmm. um, to deal with many of our stressors that we have every day. Mm-hmm. So, so yes, Lovecraft country could be cathartic for a lot of people. A lot of people who do not hold, ha- have, feel, uh, have a voice in the majority. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. so yeah i mean i'm glad that you watched it <laughs> very much so actually i was listening to i think it was uh, it was a couple of weeks ago i was listening to npr's uh code switch podcast uh-huh. i love and, code switch. and they were talking about the ones with the native american authors okay recently and one of the ones that sort of brought up the interesting notion is think about the classic scary story is that you've got a house built on Indian burial ground, or there's a Indian burial ground under the house. And typically the family that's being haunted is white. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. So would all of these same things happen if say a black or an Asian or a native American family moved into that house, how right. would they actually handle those things differently? Might that haunting actually not switch from a haunting into a blessing. Right. Into a healing moment. Right. Mm-hmm as we saw in episode three of Lovecraft, Lovecraft mm-hmm. country. <laughs> mm-hmm. When she healed the spirits and kicked the, uh, the one who put them there, ass. Spoilers. We got to put spoilers for people who haven't seen it. <laughs> yeah. But we didn't tell them how it happened. So yeah, we just get, she's like, yeah, she's going to kick their ass. They're going to kick their ass. No, that was great. That was such a moving episode. It was mm-hmm. such a great episode because it um, took me out of thinking as a trying to think as a majority person because that's you know code switching. Oof, that takes a lot of energy out for a BIPOC person. I mm. mean, ninety percent or something like that of school psychologists are white women. Mm-hmm. So you know there are a lot of allies in school psychology, which is fantastic, and I appreciate all. Of all the people that support um, the kids that they serve, mm-hmm. but, you know, in, in, in the places in the schools that we go to, it's not 90% white. We got a whole mixture depending on where you're at, right? Mm-hmm. Low SES, high SES, you know, we got black kids, we got Latino kids, mm-hmm. but, you know, imagine that your counselor or your school psychologist, they're all white. You think mm-hmm. they'll understand you, mm-hmm. you know? So um, school psychologists, as, as, as the California Association of School Psychologists, the National Association of School Psychologists, they are actively trying to recruit more people of color, more Black, Indigenous people of color. Um, but, you know, in the Black community, Asian community, there is um, a mistrust in the, mm-hmm. medical, in the medical field. So I'm just going to pause, pause you just yes. a second there. This is a perfect segue into talking about realities and myths around therapy. Ah, uh, <laughs> there we go. <laughs> yep, we're already naturally in that section. I didn't even have to announce it. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, if you look at the history, okay, like history lesson here. I, and, you know, Perry, let me know if you've mm-hmm. already covered this in any of your podcasts. And I apologize if I'm repeating it. It's probably but a good redundancy. Oh, okay, great. In Black, Black history, there has been a huge mistrust of the medical community mm-hmm. because, um, there were many human experiments made in the, mm-hmm. black, you know, on the black community. Mm-hmm. Tuskegee mm-hmm. experiment, for example, mm-hmm. um, the guy, and I'm, you know, I'm intentionally not remembering the guy's name who is known as the godfather of gynecology, who mm-hmm. used to have a statue of him in um, New York Central Park, but they recently t- took that down like two or three years ago mm-hmm. 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 because he experimented on, on enslaved, enslaved women. Mm-hmm. And, and there is a book that's very much that goes into it called medical apartheid yeah i don't have the title i don't have the author of it but if you do a search for medical apartheid you will find that book yes 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 um 
last summer during COVID when uh, my husband is a drama teacher at an all girls Catholic school and we were in, it was the hundred years uh, of the women's suffrage movement. And we wanted to make this experience for them meaningful because we couldn't meet in person. So um, my husband led along with another history teacher and myself, um, a class on um, a play, a fictionalized play about what happened between the leaders of the suffrage movement. As, as we did mm-hmm. our research with the students, we found out how the black voices, black women's vote was left out of mm-hmm. the women's suffrage movement. And so we had these, we had different um, variations of this play, this fictionalized play of what historical fictionalized play of what could have happened. And that mm-hmm. was one of the things the kids were really surprised about that they didn't learn in school about mm-hmm. the medical apartheid. They didn't know mm-hmm. about this. And I'm like, it's right here in the Smithsonian. You can look it up. I mean, you can Google this, but no one, mm-hmm. you know, no one's mm-hmm. told them about that. Um, mm-hmm. How we learned about C-sections and things like that, for example, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and all of that influences whether or not someone is going to be comfortable coming into a therapist's office, whether it is in the school setting mm-hmm. or in the, like my private practice to share. Yes, to share because the expectation culturally is not to trust doctors, not mm-hmm. to trust that vaccine, not mm-hmm. to trust, you know, a, th- a, a quack, you know, a psychiatrist, mm-hmm. psychologist. Mm-hmm. Um, or if you are, or if you are going to someone who is your own race, that is performing, providing this is like, they're asking the questions, like, give me the medication that you give the white people. Right. Or are you a sellout? You know, mm-hmm. You're going to sell me out. You're going to rat on me, you know, Mm -hmm. the whole stitches, snitches get stitches. Right. Exactly. And in many ways, that's all its own, another form of bullying. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it's about gaining trust. I have a lot of students that appreciate that, you know, they're not talking to another white female, you know, whatever. Right. Mm -hmm. They appreciate that. And I also have some white kids who are like, oh, thank God, you know, someone likes to play video games. So there's Mm -hmm. also that aspect too. Mm -hmm. someone who understands, you know, the different types of video gamers that are out there. Right. I I only really got into video games a couple of years ago because, you know, students were saying like this, I play this, but you don't understand. I'm Mm -hmm. like, yeah, I do. I like Minecraft. (laughs) (laughs) And that's uh, one of those other things is that it's okay for adults to now pick up video game controllers and enjoy this just as much as a kid. It's not something that is purely for children. Absolutely. Absolutely. So yes, there are a lot of myths that surrounds therapy that surrounds being a geek, but let's like break down those walls. You know, I want to help you. You know, Perry mm-hmm. here wants to help you. We all want to help you. We all want that collective growth. Uh, the other thing that I talked about in our BIPOC um, panel, I was on three panels over at Comic-Con. <laughs> oh, props to you. I'd be lucky just to deal with one. <laughs> I know. I It was it was a lot of prep work because I uh, there's so much information, right? There's so much mm-hmm. information that I want to give to everyone. And one of my absolute favorite books is by Rezma Menekin, My Grandmother's Hands. Mm-hmm. And so I highly recommend this um, to any Black Indigenous person of color. This is uh, specifically talks about generational trauma in the BIPOC lens. Mm-hmm. And so what if you ever get to hear Rezma speak, he always talks about his mantra is I'm good enough. You know, mm-hmm. you are good enough. We are good enough because culturally we have been told that we're too ugly, too dark, too big lips, too big butts, too whatever, too much. Not smart enough. Not smart enough, too loud, uh, dirty. That's another one that, you know, we have to overcome as people of color. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, we're not white and pure, Um so his, so Resma's, um, you know, mantra is that we are good enough. You know, believe, we are worthy. Uh, and I I'm believe sorry. he's got a, I think he's got a new book coming out, uh, either it, out or yes. coming out uh, coming shortly, out, yes. which um, I forget what the title was. I think something like quality or big quality. I think the title name was. Um, let's look it up real quick. We got the Googles. Yep. 
Yep. So yes, it is a new book of his that is coming out, and and no, we're not paid advertisers of yep. this guy. No. I please give me some of your money. <laughs> <laughs> Don't blame you there, but yeah, no. But this is us being in the know and wanting to share the wisdom. Yes. Um, so, so you know, it's it's a very heavy book, and he talks about how we inherit um, a lot of of these traumas. Of, from our ancestors. And there has been some studies amongst Holocaust survivors mm -hmm. that there is a traumatic gene. And I'm forgetting mm -hmm. the gene's name right now. Um, this, this would be under the topic of epigenetics, epigenetics as well. Yes. Um, I can't find the name of his newest book that's coming out um, soon. Uh, but I'm sure if you follow him and mm -hmm. read through his, his website real quickly that um, he will have that title, but yes, he is coming out with a book, but um, it's, it's the part two of how we pass down our traumas mm -hmm. and we have to remind ourselves that we have the strength and the power of all of these generations as well. Not only do mm -hmm. we inherit our ancestors, trauma but we ha hmm. also have to recognize we we inherit their strength and so mm -hmm. you know we have to try very hard to keep ourselves well so mm -hmm. or as much as we can so we don't continue that generational trauma mm -hmm. and how can we turn that horror story for the white family into the healing story with the native american family or the black family or the latin family mm -hmm. or even the asian family that moves in right to the house what does that healing look like? How do we heal? And how do we love one another? Uh, Resma talks about like how the systemic racism has each of us on the same level fighting against each other, the Asian against the black, the black against the Latino. Mm -hmm. and, and that's intentional in that systemic racism. But, mm -hmm. So how do we lift each other? How do we say to each other, I love you, my friend, my brother, and lift each other as opposed to fight each other? Because we're, mm -hmm. that's the wrong people that we're fighting against, mm -hmm. right? We are trying to fight the system that has placed us in, in, in these chains, essentially. Mm -hmm. Very much so. And with that, I want to thank you again for doing up this part two, shall we say. And uh, definitely, we're going to be in touch more of some other stuff because uh, some people I want to connect with. Um, where can people find you if they want to learn more and so on and so forth? Oh, yeah. So you can find me on my website. It's www.littlebrainstorm.com. Mm -hmm. And uh, you can find our books on Amazon. We have a lot of social emotional learning um, books. One of them is called Brain, Bob, Brain Boy and Bob and the Very Hungry Maggot. Mm -hmm. And um, you can email me at Lorraine, which is spelled money. It's L-O-R-R-A-N at littlebrainstorm.com. All righty. Well, Lauren, I thank you again. <laughs> Got it. Uh, I flip in and out of this, but I, I work good. At um, I want to thank you again for being on Untying Knots and Minds and Souls Untethered. I'm Perry Clark, and tune in for our next one. Thank Have you. Have a good so evening, much. folks. Happy New Year, guys. All right. <laughs> Bye.